This is Season 7, Episode 7 of Beyond the Illusion. Astrology Update with Shannon Gill and Russell von Olhausen. In this episode, we have a conversation with Shannon and Russ. I don't know about you, but I'm really ready for this astrological update because it seems like I've been falling back into some old patterns and self-sabotaging and just emotional turmoil. And I feel a general sense of maybe I should be doing more or maybe I should be doing something different. A lot of contemplation. So I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but maybe, maybe not. In either case, we're going to talk to Shannon and Russ and find out what's going on in the cosmos and see what they have to say about what's going on right now. Let's go to that conversation with Shannon, Russ, Tiana, and myself. Well, we're totally due for a cosmic update. Oh my goodness. I have clients coming in saying, summer's supposed to be fun. And what's going on? I'm not having any fun. This is supposed to be my recharge time. And I always think about how grateful I am to be aware of astrology, to have some awareness of what the lesson plan is. Just imagine like we're all in class. (laughs) And if you don't know what class you're in every day and nobody gave you the syllabus, how confusing it is. But whenever you come in and you give us these astrology updates and it's kind of the syllabus of like, oh, okay. So we just moved into Aries North Node and Libra South Node. And for the next 18 months, I want to be aware I'm working on boundaries and and balancing my needs and others. Okay, that's the class I'm in. But man, if I didn't know I was in that class, I would be like, why are people not honoring and respecting my needs or so forth? So I really want to reiterate how grateful I am, especially Shannon, you came into my life. And before that, I was just very vaguely aware of astrology, but I wasn't really paying as much attention. And now I really pay attention to it, like I said, kind of as a lesson plan of of what is the collective and what are the cosmos bringing to me to learn and grow from. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'm so impressed with your astrological knowledge, (laughs) knowing the (laughs) nodes and what that means. And it's amazing. I've always been really passionate that you don't have to be an astrologer that you can just learn a little bit about your chart, follow it and follow the movement of the planets and have it greatly serve your life. I mean, it's sort of like if we're going on a journey or a trip and we have a choice to take a map, usually we would want to take a map, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I'm very impressed with your opening statements there because I feel like I learned something too. So (laughs) that's what is great about having these dialogues. Oh, yeah, she framed something in a way I needed to hear right now because I can often be up in the analytical space with all of this. And it's like, okay, making it practical practical is something that looking at it through both lenses, the perspective of where the soul's going, what's actually happening to us, boots on the ground. And yeah, that's important why we have these dialogues periodically to regrow. Yeah, I think amongst the four of us, we have a lot of different perspectives that we bring to the table. And it's really cool because Tim's going to have this lived person in the world experience. And then I'm going to have some of this everyday client kind of experience. And then of course, Shannon works with people every single day in the reading. And then Russell, you have that like high, high level, like really broad. Well, we all, we all have a little bit of alien experience we can pull from too. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's high that. level. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's becoming more and more of our collective conversation now too, which is really interesting. Yeah. It's getting crowded up here in the higher dimensions, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can start off with, I feel like there's a lot of stuff cosmically going on right now that we're in the middle of, or that just mm-hmm. kind of shifted. And and even though maybe when you guys came in in January, in the beginning of the year, we talked about it, but back in January, talking about what's happening in July, you're like, oh yeah, 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 that's going to come up. But then when it hits, then you're like, oh yeah, I need to pay attention to these things. So maybe starting off with what's going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. It's speculative when we're looking at transits for the future. I mean, 
That's the power in understanding archetypes is we can prophesize and we can try to make predictions, but it's a completely different story when we're in it because the spectrum of experience is endless. It's going to affect all of us in all these different ways. And so I I giggled when you said your clients are kind of like, what's up? This is supposed to be like fun in the sun because Mm -hmm. it's so true. I was revisiting our January talk and remembering you asked us if we had a theme, right? I thought of it as sort of this year, 2023, being an existential initiation. And that was due to really what initiated in March, which was those two big outer planet changes, right? We had Saturn move into Pisces and Pluto move into Aquarius, which the magnitude of that is huge because that only happens once every 248 years. So it was sort of like the sense of we're, we're, initiating the new world. We're initiating this new paradigm in some ways without a map. In other ways, we do have the astrology and the archetypes look to, but we're also being initiated into the embodiment of the teachings. It's one thing to conceptualize and to talk and share ideas, but to live the principles is really what's being required of us right now to really make this this big leap or this big shift in frequency. And so I feel like the first half of the year, we were sort of moving into this new terrain. We were sort of initiating into these new energies and sort of figuring out like being in a new home, like, oh, okay, so this is where this would go. And this is this and this and that. And it was fairly manageable. And then come summer in June is when all the outer planets started to retrograde. So that's what happens is that the planets do their forward motion and then they sort of pause and they go seemingly backwards in the sky. And that's when our forward movement is sort of paused and we we look within and we say, well, wait, how is this actually going? And so like in June, Pluto moved back into Capricorn. So remember it moved into Aquarius. So we had three months of like, oh, this new catalyzed experience of the future. We sort of got glimpses and then it moved back into Capricorn, which is something that we're still dealing with right now. It moved to the anoretic degree, which is known as the death degree, which is a critical degree. It's meaning that something is at the end and it's kind of like Pluto's doing the cha-cha, like two steps forward, one step back. And going back into Capricorn, when we think about Capricorn, there's always more than one way to look at a sign. We look at how it exists in the world. And so we think about Capricorn in the world is the system, the structures, the foundation, the government, things of that nature. And then we look at the structures within our own world. And so we've been invited to look personally, and I work with clients at our own hidden dependencies. We're wanting to build this this new world of sovereignty and unity of consciousness, but yet we are also very dependent on a system that has not had our, our well-being necessarily at, at the height of its intentions, but we have to look also at our own personal dependencies within our relationships and Also, Capricorn has to do with integrity and alignment. So where could we possibly be out of integrity or alignment with our principles? And and how are we building this new world or actually working against ourselves in that way? Yeah, so I I look at this whole thing as an alchemical process that we're moving into with Capricorn Aquarius, two Saturnine, but quite different energies. So I'm picturing in my head a beaker with a solution that's being alchemized and you have impurities in the solution and you pour another solution in and shake it up a bit and it coagulates and that's when when pluto moves back into capricorn and it moves back it does its dance and you shake it up a little bit you pour out the impurities you do it again and we're at the last phases of this part of the alchemical process the recoagulation so once we pure off these last bits of impurities in what's happening in the world, then we're going to move into another phase of alchemical process. This was when Pluto moves fully into Aquarius, and that's where we're going to see major, major changes happen rapidly. So this is a dying process that we have to go through, but so something else can be reborn. This is the same thing that happened at the initiation of our country. So we're looking at the same thing through the the larger lens of the nation going through the same process as we move forward too. But you're going to see it reflecting in our own personal lives. That's what's important as, as well. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for people? I definitely have felt it really hit in my personal life as well. What are your suggestions for people dealing with these challenges or these initiations? 
Yeah, I feel like we are being challenged if we want our freedom, quote unquote, and our sovereignty, well, then we have to let go of daddy. Like we can't have it both ways. And so what does that mean? We're not really sure what that looks like. Oh, we build community and we start relying on each other and we work organismically, one of my favorite words. But this is all concept until it's actually integrated into an evolving system. So I think that's good that we have a spectrum of time to work with this as it's going back and forth, because we're kind of finding our way in the dark a little bit. And so I think we look at places where we are maybe not taking full responsibility for our role or we're too dependent, maybe we're dependent on our partner, or maybe we're just in the back of our mind going, well, my parents are going to be not here for too much longer. Maybe that's going to be taking care of my future. Or there's ways in which we are maybe not activating our particular contribution. And we think about Aquarius or any sign for that matter, you always want to look at the polarity point to get the full spectrum of information. Aquarius is the whole, it's the group, it's the community, it's the organism. The polarity point is Leo, which means that Leo is our particular contribution, our individual spark and creative obligation to create that cohesion within the community. So I think, and and another thing that we're going to talk about today is this is like such the perfect time because Venus is retrograde in Leo. And so we are given this opportunity to explore what that might be. What is our relationship to the larger uh, evolution and how is it related to our personal gifts, our personal light? And are we living that? Are we giving that? Uh, I might also add that you could look to the chart, your personal chart, and see where this is occurring, what houses, and that should give you a theme or a flavor of what you may see playing out now. And then, of course, in the next few years in your life, own life, personally. So. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Another thing I just want to add about, I know we need to move on to the second part of the year, but just kind of in, always important to see that there's there's a spectrum of time, right? We're still in these retrogrades till the fall. So I want to name them. Saturn is also retrograde, went retrograde the same month in June. It was Pluto, Saturn, and Neptune all went retrograde. So that's a lot of like halting of moving forward and like screeching, going backwards. And so Saturn rules Capricorn. And so it's similar in a way archetypally, which is a way to understand astrology. You can look at the sign that uh, is ruled by which planet and try to understand the, the relationship there. But basically it's saying the same thing, like it's time to get real. Do you have a plan? Are you in a t- integrity and alignment to it? If not, what do you need to go back and reassess? And then the Neptune re- retrograde is really interesting because first of all, uh, Saturn is in Pisces, which is ruled by Neptune. So it's almost, it feels to me like a lot of the work is inside. And we talked about this in the first uh, part of the year. We talked about we're really being called to be in integrity to the higher laws. And so when Neptune goes retrograde, which is the ruler of Pisces, one of the questions to ask is, is there any way that you're escaping from life? And where are you escaping to? And are you living any any type of an illusion? Like, are you telling yourself stories that maybe aren't true? And that is also something we need to be really awake and aware of what we are manifesting on a daily level. The energies are really intense out there if you're awake and you're paying attention. So there's a real desire for relief. There's a desire for some kind of an escape, really, from everything that feels like it's it's kind of crumbling upon us. But this is where if we're doing our daily practices and keeping our mind and our body clean and clear, we literally have a different experience of it. And so with Neptune retrograde, it's really asking us to be in integrity to how we are staying present. How are we staying present? So those were the big things that happened in June. And then July, I I have to say, a lot of people are saying maybe the biggest month of the year. It's, It's close. March was big. July is really, really big. I know this probably won't go out till maybe early August, but I'm going to name some things because, again, they pertain to the rest of the year, which, Tiana, you uh, started off so beautifully saying, yes, the nodal axis shifted out of uh, Scorpio, Taurus, into Libra, Aries. So the nodal axis is the line of fate. 
It is the axis of polarity that affects the collective consciousness and has to do with our collective karma to clear, clear up and our dharma. And again, it's really helpful to know where this axis of polarity lies in your chart. So specifically where Libra is, where Aries is, because this axis is what creates the eclipses. And the eclipses are the power points in the year that force the big changes upon us. And we're going to have an eclipse season in, in October, November, which we'll we'll talk about. But even before we get to the eclipses, we've already started to feel the shift. <laughs> yes, Tiana, is that an agreement? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so this is the axis of self and other. This is the axis of me versus we, relationship to others, our relationship to ourselves. And I think I'll wait to go into it more specifically when we talk about the eclipse, but basically we're trying to balance out our solo needs and our solo drives with our interpersonal relationships, our desire for union versus our desire for independence and autonomy, self-interest versus justice, things like that. And so we're really being called to, to purify our personal missions, to look honestly at uh, where we fall on that spectrum. Some people give their self away and are people pleasers and will do anything for intimacy. Other people are maybe on the other end of the spectrum where it's more self-focused and focused on their own needs, their own drives, their own future. The other thing about the Libra Aries axis is this is the axis that rules the armed forces, it rules the army, the Navy, the Air Force. Even though we think about Libra being peace and, and our allies, it also rules enemies. And so this is really interesting whenever we get to the eclipse season is that it's really going to force some of these global issues. Just to highlight that or to accentuate that, we look at the fact that now as of July 22nd, Venus, which rules Libra, so again, there's a similar archetypal resonance there, is now in retrograde. And so Venus retrogrades much more rare than Mercury. Mercury is three times a year. We're really familiar with that, which Mercury rules our functionality, how we're operating, our mental sphere has to do with how we communicate and navigate the world. Venus is our relationships. And so the combination of this axis of fate moving into the axis of relationships and Venus now retrograde is saying there's no more hiding the skeletons in the closet or running from this or that. When we're in retrograde, it is basically where the energy stops moving forward and is forced back internally upon us. And so when we think of a retrograde, we always use the rewords. It's a time to rewrite, revisit, reassess, reconsider. And Venus, again, is relationship. It's a relationship to self primarily, and which is a vibrational frequency, which is a magnet that then will bring in the sacred mirror, Libra, the relationship to other. So Venus rules Taurus, relationship to self, and Libra, relationship to other. Venus also rules our relationship to life, it's what we want, it's what we desire, and it's what we need. And so these are big considerations when we think about Venus that we're often told it has to do with our values, because our values, which is what we want and what we desire, then end up being the foundational principles of that which we want to create, which then becomes our reality. So Venus retrograde is, is pretty much everything in a way. Venus rules the whole spectrum of life. Everything you said always resonates with me, Shannon. It's and it's, it's so beautifully put too. I have to say that first. And Thank you. It really makes sense that that all these retrogrades are happening because, for me personally, I've been replaying a lot of things that happened to me in my life over and over again, and I'm like analyzing huh. it from a different perspective. And I'm realizing that there are these patterns that keep playing out like over and over again and I think once I recognize them I'd probably be able to break them but it's just been really intense for a while for the last mm -hmm. few weeks and uh, I feel like I'm probably not alone in that and it's funny because you were saying earlier that we have to figure out if we have any illusions that we're living by and Tiana and I looked at each other and we kind of smiled because we for sure thought that Russ was going to chime in and say something about Beyond the Illusion at that point because he always Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no. I, <laughs> I, missed your cue. I missed my cue on that. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I- <laughs> oh, man. Well, I want to just add something in relation to what you shared, Tim. Um, first of all, I love that another retrograde word, replay. I love that. It, you know how we can just spin our stories in our head, right? Um, something else that was bringing up the intensity level in this last month or so is that when the nodes shifted into Aries Libra, they started being squared by Pluto. Because Pluto's at that death degree, that anoretic degree, and the nodes move backwards in the zodiac. So they move to the death degree, the 29th degree of Aries and Libra. That's an exact T-square, which is a tense aspect in the sky. And basically what it's saying, Pluto is saying, something has to die. <laughs> Pluto is the planet that rules regeneration, like a snake constantly shedding skins. I always have said on the podcast to my children, We can't have summer without winter. It rules that regenerative process through death and rebirth. And Pluto doesn't mess around. It's going to bring up from the surface whatever has been sort of hiding out or lurking. And then also that last new moon in Cancer on the 17th of July was not your normal new moon. New moons don't tend to be that emotional, but it was exactly opposed by Pluto. So again, I I keep hearing from all my clients like, wow, so much emotionality, so much stuff coming up, that anoretic degree of Capricorn. Capricorn is the family. This is the structure. We talk about the structure of our government. Well, it's the structure of our family as well. So that square and these energies are saying, what is left undone? That's so interesting. I'm glad to have people like you who know all the fine details of astrology because always just it's super fascinating how specific it is. But yeah, I've been doing a lot of kind of ancestral clearing and healing. So it's interesting when you talk about family because it's like these patterns that I recognize within myself, but then I can see it across my family line. And it makes sense in the way that you were explaining it. It's just been like intense, but powerful and necessary and I'm embracing and owning it but to think of it in this like really big broad way and I've heard that from others too that they're also realize that they're doing a lot of ancestral healing that we were coming in and doing this really major deep healing and clearing that's why it can feel very heavy because there's these patterns that have passed through in many generations that we're really working on that last level to heal and transform on the planet Absolutely. And that is where the focus should be, is what we can control is what's in our sphere, the work that we're doing in our own universe, in our own families, in our own systems, even our communities is the micro of the macro. We know this, that we are fractals of the larger whole. So we should never feel powerless about what's going on in the world because it's just a collective projection of what's going on in all of our interior world. So really, that is where the power lies is to take control of our own toxic systems and past and whatever hierarchical and always to come from compassion. And that's the polarity point of Capricorn, which is cancer, the mother, because no matter how toxic or dark some of this material may be it's all symptomatic of being in the dark ages where we were in that illusion of separation from source from the light and so we as an organism had all the whole variation of distortions that played themselves out in our human dynamics so when we go through these these moments it's like We don't do it all at once. Thank goodness. We can't do it all at once. But when we're in the retrogrades, it's like, okay, now we we dip back into this deeper terrain and we're in a different place than we were before. And so that's really essentially what evolution is. Great. Well, are we at the point now to look at the second half of the year? Yeah, let's jump in. Okay, so I'm guessing we're talking August. And so some of the energies we spoke about, of course, are still in play. And we mentioned that Venus went retrograde on the 22nd. It will be retrograde till September 3rd. But in let's look at August. August 8th, the Lionsgate. So this is something that is of a lot of people's attention and awareness. It is an alignment of our sun and our sister sun, Sirius, which opens up a portal of higher consciousness. It is a kind of a controversial calendar date that some people disregard. Some people say it doesn't have the merit that it's given. But my personal experience has been that it absolutely can, the veil feels very thin around that time. 
Yeah. So since we are talking about the lion's gate, I'll go ahead and open it up. I guess um, I've been waiting to, I don't want to open the conversation to too, too uh, higher complexity at the moment, because we're talking about a lot of mundane things right now. And really what I've been doing is a lot of looking behind the veil. And and uh, one of the first things we have in August is the discussion of the lion's gate. A lot of astrologers don't focus on this, but it is an alignment with Sirius, or Orion, and the earth. And what we see here is a higher level of consciousness that begins to come in on this focus date and it usually lasts in this case they say from around the 28th of july to august 12th so that's your portal for around the lion's gate but this is a time when the veil another period in the year when the veil is thin and, and it can be a powerful time for many it's like learning to express your lion traits to take some personal rulership ownership of your self and your projects like whatever's going on just use that energy in a leo kind of way also, it's about going into the heart, remembering to find deep gratitude with everything that is going on despite. So that's the Lionsgate portal as it helps open us up. If we're open enough, we can see these non-divisive, non-dual light codes. That's what it's talking about. It, it allows us to open our eyes so that we can see the nature of the matrix a little more. And you just do this all the time when the dimensions become thin and it happens multiple times during the year. And this is one of those that at least many believe that is a good time to do that. So... Yeah, I'll, I'll just share that twice in the last few years, I've spent some time opening up on that day, the Lion's Gate day, and spent a little bit longer in meditation and being a little bit more intentional. And my little brother, John, who crossed over in 2015, came twice, two years apart, in the same way that he always comes to me through through music and technology, just kind of confirming sort of like a little high five from the other side. So for me, I have personal experience that this is a true opening where the veil is very thin and we can contact the, the other side or we can utilize that light, like Russell said, for manifesting purposes. And so really being really focused during that time. And again, we're talking about Leo season, which the polarity point of Aquarius the success of our future for me lies in the capacity for each of us to give our gift, which is connected to the heart, which has to do with what brings us joy, what brings us into a higher frequency of love. It really is that simple. It's not easy, but I think we actually overcomplicate things, but we're still untangling ourselves from the matrix. We're still stuck in this machine existence where the program is that we have to work hard and we have to work for our retirement and we have to do all of these things. But actually, if we spend more time in the subtle realms, it feels to me like we get, we kind of become exempt to some of that, like that we actually get to experience life where it flows in these more nuanced, subtle ways where it looks like magic. It's like, wow, this incredible alignment happened. I met this person. They have this thing that I need, or they're doing the same. That's the synchronicities. And the more that we spend time nurturing those subtle realms within and aligning our frequency within, uh, I think the more success that we can have and more we can accelerate our progress in that way. Yeah, I just want to chime in right here. I, I think you're absolutely right when you say that. I've found that to be the case in my own life, too. It's almost like the harder you try, the more difficult it becomes. So yeah. it's like a letting go, but it's also, like you were saying, being aware of the subtleties of what's happening in your life and in your mind and in, in your spirit. And I think when you're in touch with that, yeah, it, that's when the magic really does happen. And it does seem like magic because it's easy. It's like effortless at that point. And uh, yeah, I've, I've witnessed that many times in my life and I've, I've struggled with it actually because it's easy to fall into the worldly trap of like, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that. And then you're stuck. You just mm -hmm. don't, you just get stuck. I just have to also bring in the perspective. And I think this is why it's so helpful to know your own specific chart as well, because although all of that is very true, but like for me this year, especially maybe like when Saturn moved into Pisces and I have Pisces rising this year for me, it's felt a little bit heavy, like usually like, oh, I'm just magically manifesting and I like to spend my time on all this. But I've had to actually do a lot of discipline and perseverance. So sometimes Maybe depending on your chart, what your lessons are, actually, some of us need to put more hard work in because that's what we're learning right now. And then others, maybe it's like, oh, you don't have to do so much hard work and you can manifest more. So that's where I think it's super interesting. We're getting a reading from Shannon, knowing kind of more 
what you're learning right now, it's going to really vary on on what's true for who. Good point. That's true. So, so on that note, um, I'm just going to give you a little heads up that I may, I happen to make a final note before we went on uh, today, and we're go- I'm going to skip, skip back over to that. But August 30th, there's a full moon in Pisces, and it's conjunct Saturn. So what you just described is like a little dip, a pothole. And I'm giving you a little warning. There's a pothole of the Pisces and Saturn energy coming up, and it may feel a little messy in this configuration, and it's probably going to feel a little heavy, a little sad again. But knowing that, you can plan ahead, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can make space for really on the full moons and the new moons to be in full alignment is to take time out of our routine because we get on the hamster wheel of life and then... We don't even realize, oh, I've made a wrong turn or why did I do that? So it's a time to check in. And that's true. We're kind of talking about August. That full moon does look a little heavy. And we're also going to be in Mercury retrograde starting in August. So August 23rd, Mercury goes retrograde. So we're going to have six planets retrograde at the same time. That's a lot. And so just to know that if it feels like you're walking through mud or that your goals from January or from the spring equinox are not moving, have a little faith and compassion that we're refining. We're refining, okay? And that remember, it's not so much about the destination as it is about the journey, right? So when Mercury retrogrades, it's going to retrograde in Virgo this time. And Virgo is how we perfect the art of life in a way. So it has to do with the complexity of all the details. It has to do with our health. It has to do with how we operate our homes, our work, everything. And well, let me just say this, Virgo is ruled by Mercury. So it's kind of like a double emphasis. It's really at home there. And so it's a time to go in and be like, okay, I've been a little bit lax here, or this is where I'm checking out there, or I've slowly gotten off my diet. Virgo rules our health. And I know Russell and I, we we did this really pretty profound six month total cell regeneration cleanse. And then we were like completed it. And and our intention is for it to be lifelong change. and, And it has been for sure. But there's been a little bit of this and a little bit of that and two birthdays in June and family vacations. And it's like scope creep. It's like all of a sudden like, oh, I'm feeling heavy or then it affects your clarity and then it affects your emotions. And it's like Mercury retrograde in Virgo is saying, let's be real about where do we need to get back into alignment with our health? Well, I blame Neptune for that one because I was really clear for a while and I saw Neptune coming in and I thought, oh man, we're going to get derailed on this and we're, the temple's not going to be as pure and we're going to munch and exactly what happened. So now knowing that, it's, I don't feel so guilty that Neptune came and played its foggy trick on me. Well, so. <laughs> and Neptune rules Pisces, which is the opposite of Virgo. So with Mercury in Virgo, and then we're going to be entering Virgo season right there at the end of August and September, it's a time to clean things up. It's a time to really get back into alignment and purification. And then early September, Venus goes direct. And so we're going to start having some clarity. We're going to have the sort of this different relationship to relationships. <laughs> We're going to have already gotten the memo. If it wasn't handed to us, it was shoved down our throat about where we've been out of alignment with self and other. And again, it's not just Venus retrograde, but that Pluto squaring the nodes is bringing up very old patterns. And we look at Venus retrograde in Leo, and we can say, well, when was the last time Venus was retrograde in Leo to get an understanding of what is closing up, which was 2015. So you can think about that, chew on that a little bit. What was going on for you in 2015? It was around the summer, but you can think about the whole year because we're circling back to that same material. So when Venus goes direct, we start to implement the recalibration and the realignment and moving and moving forward. And then the very next day, Jupiter retrogrades in Taurus. So September, yeah. So it's almost like, again, it's that cha-cha energy. So Venus goes forward. The very next day, Jupiter goes back in Taurus. Jupiter is the planet that rules expansion. It has to do with our vision. Our reality is formulated through our vision, which is based in our beliefs. So it's good to go back and to reassess our perspective now and then. So this is, again, the gift of Jupiter in retrograde. And it's in Taurus, which 
again, here we are. So this is where you learn the archetypes. We've been talking about Taurus because it's one of the signs that's ruled by Venus. It has to do with our relationship to life. It has to do with what we value most. And remember, the North Node has been in Taurus for the last year and a half. So all the eclipses were in Scorpio Taurus. So we've been getting a deep initiation into what's most important, simplifying our life. Taurus is also loves pleasure. And so with Jupiter, that has to do with expansion. When it's retrograde, it's like, where might we have expanded too much? (laughs) Is there anywhere where we're in excess? It could be money. Taurus rules money. It could be food. It could be relationships. It could be resources in general. And so Jupiter is going to invite us to review and renew our vision. And Jupiter is known to be the planet that brings faith and buoyancy. So it's an opportunity if there's any resonance of feeling like off track or a little low vibration to boost one's sense of faith and and belief in themselves and in the evolution of the world. Because it's like, if you're paying attention to the news, it can be quite depressing. But again, just to remind that that's just the third dimension of reality and that we are the pioneers, North Node and Aries, the warriors of this new world, which means that we have to understand ourselves on an energetic level to have this new experience of life. We can't get caught up in what's disintegrating. We can very easily get caught up in that storm if we're looking down a lot. So Jupiter is inviting us, excuse me, to look up. And so that's another big thing happening also in September. Yeah, I kind of can fall into that trap too of, of what you just said, looking down and seeing the disintegration and getting really discouraged by that. And I think it's an easy trap to fall into, especially for me, because I'm like, I want to save the world, like in terms of the ecological impacts of what we're doing to our earth, of what's happening to just everything in general. And uh, I really feel strongly affected by that. So I have almost like a complex where I feel like I need to do something to save the world, whether it's recycling or renewable energy or whatever it might be. I feel that pressure on myself like really heavily. And Spoken uh, like a true Taurus. (laughs) Yeah. And you also said something that triggered a memory from the last podcast we did with you guys where Russ actually said that there's going to be this expansion from Jupiter and you might expand too much and then you'll have to rein it back in. I remember him specifically saying that and I thought to myself, oh, I won't do that. And then I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking now like, oh yeah, I did do that actually. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that's so true. No, that's great. I love you sharing that because We haven't gone into the nodes that deeply, but one thing that I want to emphasize is that with the south node in Libra and the north node in Aries, the south node is where we get stuck. The south node is where we have karma and where we stop growing or there's shadow material. And so we've been talking a lot about how the Aries-Libra nodal axis is about relationships. But also, if we want to talk about it more collectively, we can look at the shadow of Libra on a global scale, is Libra wanting everything to be comfortable? Libra wanting everything to stay nice and peaceful? Libra wanting to um, not rock the boat? And birth is active. And here we are at this threshold between the ages where we've chosen to be here. And it's going to require that we activate, which is the North Node in Aries, the warrior. So collectively, we're all being called to take on our more active expression of pioneers, of spiritual warriors, uh, piercing into and beyond this glass ceiling of existence so that we can truly start to manifest and see these new systems of sustainability and operating in harmony come into full fruition. And so we are still stuck in that paradigm of helplessness, which was the program of powerlessness, which came from the Pisces age of power over. And so it's each of us that is having to liberate. And that's what I'm talking about. Pluto and Capricorn is saying, where are we still thinking that the power is outside of us and that we're dependent on something outside of us because meanwhile, they're going on with their agenda 
<laughs> and we're sitting here sort of like, what do we do, right? So this is where the North Nodes Aries is saying, calling all warriors. This is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual alchemical process that we're in. And so even if you find found one little organization to plug into, just something to put your energy into, I bet it would just completely activate and transmute that experience that you're having. Yeah. So this next 18 months, are you saying that perhaps on a collective level, there might be more wars, <laughs> more battle, right? With Aries North Node and Libra South Node that there's perhaps on a global level going to be more of those types of things necessary but i'm like at least if we have a heads up of there's a deeper spiritual reason why these things are happening then if we see this on the global stage maybe it won't scare us as much we have to call it what it is it's a war and it's going to be a physical war that's on the increase and we already see that happening we were predicting this several years ago i think we actually predicted some of this increase Specifically at this time, what we're seeing here is people may not know this, but utter devastation in Ukraine. So what, whatever you hear out there on the mainstream, there's some intensity happening and it's going to increase and we can't be afraid of that. And the other side of this, that's the Aries energy. It's war, it, it, it does have that war quality. It has strength. It has energy. It has initiation and it's activation. And it's going to c- continue to do its part uh, in the equation. And the very uncomfortable polarity of that is Libra is going to be forced to pick a side. The Libra doesn't like that. Libra wants to keep things in harmony. But guess what? Things are, in this reality, switch from left to right because we are in a duality. So you see more and more of this now. You, people are being flipped on. Like they're becoming like, I cannot accept this untruth anymore. I am suddenly they go from I'm a Biden lover to Trump. It's like that you see people flipping. And that's just a, using that as an example in the political realm of the world. But this is going to be happening all throughout, that people are going to have to take a stand for whether you are complicit in what's going to be happening or you're going to take the initiative to become a sovereign individual, to take take charge of, of everything that and, and what is required to create the next level of our own realities. And historically, it's quite typical that we that there's world wars between the ages, along with pandemics. Yeah. So the last time we saw some of these signatures, we saw the Aries Libra nodal shift was at the beginning of World War II in September of 39. So we're seeing some, to say that it's not, we're not looking at that. We have to be real that that this is going to be an increase. And a lot of people in our field are discussing that because Aquarius rules high energy, could that be looking at the new nuclear equation? And so these are intense discussions that people don't want to always have, but that's part of the reality that we're facing now. We've never been in this position before. It's beautifully exciting in a lot of ways. It, It feels tragic to watch and it's very unnerving for everyone. So, but that's where we have to walk the center and not be swayed to the left or right of whatever happening. So just kind of wrapping up September there, Mercury will have its Kazemi, which is where it runs into the sun, September 6th, where usually there's some aha moment, sort of like the information you were seeking in your underworld journey while it was retrograde. And then it goes direct September 15th. And then the Aries full moon, September 29th, opens the eclipse gate. And so the eclipse season is always six weeks long when there's two eclipses. So September 29th, Aries full moon through November 13th, which is notoriously a acceleration of the energies on the planet, a reshuffling of the cards of our lives in relation to our deeper souls contracts. So this is all very conceptual, but it's also can be very specific depending on where it lands in your chart. October 10th, Pluto will go direct, okay? So there's often a little bit of a like intense energy whenever it's been going retrograde and then it turns direct. And remember, it went back to Capricorn where we were doing all that deep underworld work and now it's going to start moving back towards Aquarius again. And it will not enter Aquarius till January of 2024, but it's going to slowly start moving in that direction. The first eclipse is October 14th, which is a new moon solar eclipse. It's the first eclipse in Libra of the the series since the nodal axis has shifted. And solar eclipses tend to be, because they're new moons, the birth of something new. However, 
it's a south node eclipse, meaning that it's connected to the south node, which is about the past. It's where the karma is. So anytime there's a new or a full moon, I've learned that it's not really smart to think of them very specifically around beginnings and endings because with every beginning there's also an ending (laughs) with every ending there's a beginning right so we just know that it's a time of transformation so that libra eclipse is at 21 degrees if anybody pays attention on that level to the astrology and it's basically saying something's coming to an end in the world. It could be having to do with justice and with the imbalances on a personal level. It could be like, there's no more avoidance of the relationship issue that's been boiling since Pluto square the node, since Venus retrograde. It feels like there's something building that has started with the shift of the nodes, the Pluto square, and then the Venus retrograde that the eclipses are going to snap it. It's There's something that's like, going to make the final shift. The big, big events in our lives happen during eclipse season. And so whatever's been brewing will probably manifest in some way. Libra's also our business partners, just throw that in and has to do with our partnerships in the realm of our work. And then the second eclipse will be two weeks later, October 28th, which is a full moon lunar eclipse. And it's the last eclipse in Taurus of the series. So basically we are wrapping things up that we've been working on in the last year and a half with the nodal axis in Taurus Scorpio. And in a way, the Taurus energy was all about how are we going to survive? There's all this And as I guys go, we've got to start growing our garden and we need to simplify and we need to diversify our money a lot around like survival. I feel like intuitively, this is an invitation to find the balance with that and not just focus on surviving, but thriving. How do we balance simplicity with pleasure? Taurus wants to feel good. Taurus wants pleasure. So there's some final decision making around whatever we've been working on in the last uh, year and a half. Taurus also rules the temple. And since it's a full moon lunar eclipse, it could be a time where you're like, you know what? I'm finally just going to accept it. Dairy does not work for me. (laughs) And so there could be something more personal that way about how we're honoring the vessel. Because again, it's everything. The temple, if you want God to dwell, then you need to create space for the divine within. And also just remembering the the full year theme being the initiation, the existential initiation, the more we can be clear in our vessel and align with our values, then the more success we're going to have in going through these gates that we want to open up to these higher realms. So November feels like more of a reflective month. And I think that's because we're sort of integrating the eclipses. And we've had just a lot of, like you said at the beginning, Tiana, intensity from the summer. And so Saturn goes direct. November 4th, and Saturn has been forcing us to think about how effective have we really been with our strategy that we set in place at the beginning of the year of the infrastructure of our world. And so when it moves direct November 4th, we can make those adjustments and just accept that this is wherever we fell asleep or wherever we were checking out or we got a little off track with this, that, or the other. It's time to sort of bring everything back into alignment and get that plan into action. And that's really the only outer planet aspect in November. And and then we just roll on into December where it feels like the invitation is to truly clarify the vision. December tends to be a reflective time where we're wrapping up the Gregorian calendar year and December 3rd, Jupiter will go direct. So remember Jupiter was all about the refinement of our vision, the sober assessment of where we may have expanded in the wrong areas. It had been retrograde since September 4th. So December 3rd, we get to sort of rebirth that vision. This is Sagittarius season. So there's something about being jovial around the holidays. So it does feel lighter. Neptune will also go direct that same week, December 6th. And so with Neptune, that was the planet of Pisces where we might've been escaping or living in an illusion. And so December 6th, it goes direct and it's sort of like, all right, where did the year go? (laughs) Coming out of the illusion. 
And I don't know if you guys feel like this, but I'm constantly sort of tripped out by the reality of time or the illusion of time. I'm just like, wow, it just really emphasizes the importance of making every day count every day, like every day, if you can have a good day. And I think about my brother, John, who passed in 2015, he was a Pisces. He would say, if I can just get up in the morning and make my bed, I know it's going to be a good day. And that for him just meant like the rituals are important. Like the focus on the details are important because they set the tone for the day. And I can really feel that. I can really feel like if I, if I wake up in the right way and I do my practices and I exercise my body and I clear my mind and I start with the right substances, juice or whatever it is, it affects my entire day. And then I can go to bed and feel good at night. And then that week feels good. And then that month is more productive. And we don't lose time because we are slowly sort of like discounting the importance of the integrity and alignment to the higher laws, the the natural world. Yeah, I feel so grateful in the work that I do because I do so many past life regressions where every day we're going through someone's whole lifetime, right? A whole past life. And then we're looking at it from the big picture. So it's constantly has my mind thinking that like, oh, if I die today, do I feel complete or where do I need to make adjustments so that I will feel complete? And so I feel really grateful to constantly have that mirror of what's important. Where do I want to put my focus and attention to? I I don't know if you're finished with December, but so far I'm really liking that it sounds like this lightness that's coming because I feel like the past few years, there would be something big, what eclipse or like Saturn's changing sign or something. It's been the big things kind of still happening at the end of the year. And since this whole year has, has felt like there's a lot of big things, it sounds really nice to be able to, like you said, feel the holiday season feels light and jovial versus maybe something squaring something else. And maybe you still have a surprise to tell me, but I'm kind of hoping, oh, this sounds kind of nice. Yes. Tell me there's going to be a happy ending to this year. <laughs> it really does feel that way. I mean, we have the the planets changing directions, uh, the outer planets. We do have Mercury doing its last retrograde, actually retrogrades four times this year, which is a little bit more uncommon. But I feel like that is actually not a bad thing because it gives us this opportunity to go ahead and start, I don't know, cleaning the engine in a way for the next year. It's going to retrograde in Capricorn, which is our structures and back all into Sagittarius, which is our vision. So it sort of feels like it's really priming us to move into 2024 already really in more alignment and focused and then Pluto enters Aquarius in January, I think it's January 24th. And so I feel like things are going to speed up again. What I was going to say earlier is that, well, right now we're in the middle of a big heat wave, right? But there's the bigger picture, like there's this general warming of the planet. And it seems to be really emphasized this summer because of all the record-breaking heat. Do you guys have any thoughts about that and just the planet warming in general? And not even really from a astrological perspective unless you want to but just what are your ideas about what's happening there yes we are warming and yes we are coming out of a very low period we've been in higher periods around starting around four thousand years ago we've been up and down even in these cycles in the last two thousand years we've gone through these mini ice ages and whatnot so we're actually coming out of a very low period comparatively to over uh, 6,000 years ago. And at the end of the Younger Dryas period, that that was uh, around 11,600 years ago. So that was when we saw a, a peak from, from the Ice Age. So yeah, we're in a little pothole associated with Pisces again, and it lowers our temperature. It is like the sh- the valley of the shadow of death. And when you're in a shadow, it lowers your temperature. And we're going to come out of this shadow. And it's w- w- as we do so, the earth is going to warm up. The whole solar system is going to warm up. So what's happening is 
these vibrations that we relate to as particles from the sun and energy with the planets, you could compare these to spiritual vibrations. So we're seeing these these as truth vibrations coming in. So the truth is going to heat things up, literally. <laughs> That's what's happening. And then this is associated back to astrology with Pluto. I see this energy happening with Aquarius, the shift. And then, of course, the Uranian energy attached to that. These are two signatures of truth. They don't care about feelings. They don't care about what we've built they're here to make a change and that's what the energy is about and and part of this is wakening up the energy within people but it's also physically affecting the earth and it's going to raise our temperature again back to where it was prior to four thousand years ago oh, i'm glad i asked <laughs> <laughs> on top of that one for you i have charts if you'd like to see them after this <laughs> <laughs> wow eleven thousand years ago or four thousand i was like this is a very big picture that you're looking yeah at. this is we're talking about a pothole that started about four thousand years ago when the temperature dropped and you saw spreading of cultivation and farming and everything you can see it back in our own history and they've gone up and down but now things are beginning to increase again so we're going into a very high vibration and a high temperature state so it's going to raise the temperature by a few degrees they have evidence of all this captured in the recent ice cores in the last uh, five years or so and there's something else that actually i overlooked that i would throw in there when we're talking about this last eclipse in taurus taurus is the economy and so we've been going through this volatile time with the economy and this is sort of this last moment here before we move into the axis of war actually and so there's definitely some connection, I feel, of what's been evolving and within the economic system. Well, it's also the breaking down of economies and governmental structures. And so what we're seeing here is a change. It's going to happen very quickly. And you know? so it's already started in many parts of the world where we're going to be switching into a digital currency. That's a big thing. People in America, we're going to buffer to the last minute finally, but it's already happening. So as of July 21st, I believe the first CBDCs are being issued from the United States government. So that's just happened in the last few weeks. So during the Venus retrograde shadow period. Yeah. So when it, it enacted sometime at the end of last year, I believe, and then now it's actually gone into effect. So we're going to see the United States economy trying out in a larger and larger scale this this model because that's what the world is going to. You know, we're not going to escape this. Everything's going towards a, a futuristic system. And that's the signatures of Aquarius and Uranus. I was that. waiting. I was like, when is Russell going to... He didn't mention AI at all. <laughs> I was trying to hold back. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, well, let the real world stuff get out of here. Popularize this year. Okay. So what do you see as maybe potential ripple effects of this CDBC rollout for the collective um, or for us individually how is that going to impact our life i mean of course we don't know for sure right but logically it's already begun to happen you're going to see a, a, a delay in banking you're going to see atms becoming fewer and fewer they're going to want to less cash out and actually airports are now setting up to take your cash already to turn it into the digital card and going into the next currency so you can just put your cash in and give you a little card back and now you've turned your cash into. So they're working on this model already. I mean, actually it's already in, in play in several places. So that's going to affect how our day-to-day -day banking plays out. You're also going to see more and more banks fall. So we, we were predicting these waves of banks, smaller banks fall, either being absorbed by the larger banks. This is just look at nature. Nature does the same thing. And so it's reclaiming its territory from these smaller banks. It did the same thing back when we had the Great Depression. All these smaller banks collapsed. It, been, it did the same thing. And when we crossed over in the last signs between 2007 8 when Pluto went from Sagittarius into Capricorn, you saw all these banks collapse and, and be absorbed into larger entities. This is just another wave of that happening at the same crux which, when Pluto is doing its work. So we're seeing all this is going to probably affect people faster than they think. It, people are going to already signing on to it in Europe. But here, I think we're going to be the last to probably fully accept it. And then what we would think of as those who wish to resist that to the, as much as they can will 
create a parallel identity and then they're going to preserve their own sovereignty in another way. And that's what we're creating. That's where it's like the need to preserve our sovereignty is what's going to drive something else to be created. And it's probably going to be in a wall of secrecy for a while. It's like, how do we do these things? I don't know. I, I want to make sure that I stay sovereign and don't just give everything over to the government, this bureaucracy, this technocracy that's reaching up from the dimensional darkness to hold on to every little individual in a little container of light, just like the matrix. Like, it's like, that's what's happening is that the, the, the truth is being revealed and the darkness wants to hold on to this reality as long as it can. And everyone here is essentially a source of energy for that. And if we come together collectively and we do something else creative, that's going to create, uh, we're, we're combining to co-create the new reality. And of course, the forces of darkness are here to stop that. That's why it is a spiritual warfare, a dimensional energy shift, whatever you want to call it. These forces are now at play and very active in our reality. And you can see them if you know how to look. That's what's happening with all this alien revelation. The UFOs are coming out and all these, all these things is because, oh, and, and more people are being spotted as reptilians in the airport. You know, this happened in Dallas the last week. Whole swarms of people are saying they're seeing these things. It's because the truth is being revealed. There's something underneath this reality that is functioning that is not right. And that's what we're beginning to witness. And that witnessing and that acceptance that these forces are at play, that's what's going to make this uh, shift into a new reality, into the next dimension. Well, that's the Pluto. That's the Pluto is bringing everything up that draws from the underworld. It's the, the time of the great revealing, right? This is the prophesized time of the apocalypse. But it's important to also understand that though they're they quote unquote it's kind of an illusion to think there's anything outside of us this part of the one mind faction of energy <clears throat> well they think that they're this is just a limitation of language are trying to prevent us from evolving they're actually the necessary ingredient to catalyze us to evolve because we don't evolve if we're comfortable we evolve through suffering or through fear this is like i love to tell my clients we don't wake up in the morning and be like hey it's a great day to evolve let's heal today we're doing it because of that contrasting and antidromia polarity energy that is forcing us to wake up forcing us to constellate as an organism outside of the system if we stay comfortable we stay asleep so this is how I find it most helpful to work with and dance with duality instead of going into fear. Actually understand that that faction of energy is intelligent and it's actually playing its very important role in evolution. Yeah, I was thinking, I was applying this to me personally and some of the things that I've been going through and seeing, but then I was thinking what we were talking about before, Pluto going back into Capricorn and us doing this ancestral healing and clearing, working through some old patterns and stepping into our own power and then creating things collectively. So it's kind of like this period right now, if we will do our own homework and clear the space for some of that, then we might not know what these new systems are, but we have to first clear out this stuff and then that'll open the path for these new Aquarian and collective ways for us to work together and create these new ways of being that we might not know just yet but but right now it's like oh first I have to go back and take care of this and then that will create the opening for what's coming in. It's just like gardening. Like who wants to go out there and do the weeding at the beginning of the season that's necessary before we can plant the seeds before we can get the fruit of the new evolution. I mean, really, we can look at, at the evolution of consciousness as a reflection of nature. It's no different. And I, I think it's very helpful because there is a natural dimension to it. I was just looking at the time and realizing I have uh, something that I have to get to. And I think you, you guys do, too. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your information with us. Can you please let our listeners know where they can find out more about you? Absolutely. So I have a full-time private practice for readings. You can just go to my website. It's shannonleegill.com and it's L-E-I, Gill, G-I-L-L. And then Russell, your website is? Holisticscience.net, but it's currently being worked on. But we have Astrum our school, astrum.org, A-S-T-R-A-M. And that is our big endeavor, our big push for the end of this year. Hopefully anyone who enjoyed this conversation might want to look at taking a class about how the universe works and how astrology plays a key part in that. So you can find us there. And then of course, Shannon and I together have 
theshiftfoundation.org. And that's our sort of community nexus point. A lot of our events, we do all kinds of, of fun things through there. We actually have a big event coming up September 2nd here in the hill country outside of austin in wimberley in the pyramid at samadhi so we do these pyramid activations and it's called joy to the world crossing the rainbow bridge the technology of happiness and it's a full day activation through the chakras with astrology and dance and singing and food and we'll be doing uh many of these hopefully in the years to come so this is the second one we hope to do about one um to maybe two or three a year yeah know. all right Fantastic. yeah thank you so much you're so welcome thank you guys we love we feel so grateful to be on your show yeah, yeah i could talk to you guys all day long i was like mm-hmm. oh it's just getting juicy oh no look at the time <laughs> <laughs> i want to ask about what you said but we'll have to do that another time we Next can do time. a separate show if you like with a whole other topics other than I, yeah like maybe we could do one about the aquarian age because i think there's just like a whole lot of really cool interesting things that Tim and I both would love to talk about so much going on in the AI and CDC. Yeah. I can't even say it, CDBC, <laughs> all of this stuff. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that for sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Shannon Gill and Russell von Olhausen for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing their gifts and knowledge with us. If you'd like to know how to get in touch with Shannon for a reading, you can find her online at shannonleegill.com, and that's Lee spelled L-E-I. You can find out more about Russell at vonolhausen.org. That's V-O-N-O-H-L-H-A-U-S-E-N. And they both can be found at theshiftfoundation.org. Big thanks to our executive producer, Tiana Roser. Music by Casey Henson. Editing, production, and narration by Tim Howe. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast, remember to subscribe and leave a rating. This does help other people find us. Thank you so much and take care.